How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and today on the show, we have got 18th century pioneer who introduced apple trees all across early America, Johnny Appleseed, who was a real person, and 19th century Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw, who was also a real person and not just an Irish myth. Uh, if you like the episode, be sure to check out the performers, either uh, Brendan Guggins on his improv team, 1,000-foot whale, whale, whale claw, or his sketch team, uh, Newport. There'll be links in the uh, podcast description. And check out Fed's podcast, Year of the Week. The link will also be in the description. And, of course, if you want to check out all my stuff, we have freshest Famous Dead People episodes every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You can hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you have any questions, comments, or requests for dead people to have on the show. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now, and it is hilarious. Rate and review the podcast. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. Subscribe. And, of course, check out JarrettBerenstein.com for all the latest updates on upcoming shows and projects. And, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel because there will be some uh, videos coming soon. I know I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now, but I promise that they are. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy George Bernard Shaw and Johnny Appleseed, both real people, only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Stories stuck in the head. My guests today on Famous Dead People are the 18th century American pioneer nursery man who introduced apple trees to large parts of the eastern United States, John Chapman, a.k.a. Johnny Appleseed. Hell yeah, man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the intro. Good to be here. Good to see you. And 19th century Irish playwright and political activist famous for works such as Pygmalion and St. Joan, George Bernard Shaw. Hello there, I can see you past me sweater. Uh, Mr. Shaw, Mr. Appleseed, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Oh, it's a pleasure yeah. to be here. It's a pleasure to be seen. Sorry, what was that you said just now, uh, George Bernard Shaw, about a sweater? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know if you can see it in studio, but I'm actually wearing quite a large sweater. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. thick, man. It's bulky. It looks it looks, uh, it looks warm, like I want to cuddle up next to you on a, on a cold day. Well, I'm flattered to think that, Jared. <laughs> You're quite a charming man yourself, but truly it's 17 quilts rolled together. Together I stitched up. Ooh, fun. Wow. What a, and, uh, you know, handsome and a handy craftsman as well. Uh, let's start off with you, Johnny Appleseed. So you are the name, Johnny Appleseed, one of the most well-known names in American lore. And as such, there was a lot of myth surrounding you and your life that I would love to clear up. Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, so first of all, this image that we have of you in our mind, of you walking all over America, tossing apple seeds. Uh, onto the ground from a bag on your hip, but in reality, you planted small orchards called nurseries, like a couple of trees, uh, and built fences around them, and then you would leave them in the care of, like, a neighbor, and then you would return every year or two to tend to them and to get, like, a little uh, bit of money from the apples that were sold. Is that right? Yeah, man, you can't, look, I love nature. I love nature, Mm -hmm. right? But you can't trust it. You can't you trust gotta, nature. You got to fence it in. If you're throwing trees every place, man, they're going to go. They're going to run amok. Now, see, my, my concern would not be, oh, no, there would be trees everywhere. It would be, oh, if you just throw apple seeds on the ground, like, that's not how apple trees grow. Like, squirrels will eat those seeds. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like... And people you know. would fuss at me. They'd think I was littering if I did that, right? Because <laughs> no one likes a litter bug. No, no, no. Yeah. They would, they would think that you were just spreading garbage around all across America. Yeah, so I had that kind of that air of respectability about mm, me. So I wasn't yeah. just throwing things around. I was, you know, setting them up in straight lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Set them up straight lines. Yeah. The way you got to do. I said, look, I'm busy. I'm man. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a businessman. Sure, I got a pot on my head. I got bare feet. <laughs> but I'm a businessman. I'm that pot on the head, I feel like that needs more attention in the lure. You know, like we don't really talk about the fact that you had... A pot on your head that you used as a hat and also to cook things in and to drink water and stuff yeah, like that. It is not comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm impressed on how you can keep that thing on your own head. I'd imagine that to be bonking around that knocking of yours. Well, let me show you this, man. Look, I'm going to take it off. And then you look there. I have some padding in there. I have oh, some softer, some leaves and some sticks Fun. to support it. So it's kind of nestling my head a little bit more because, man, it would bang my head. It's I was, almost like a helmet. A yeah. little bit. I almost say, like a war helmet. I admire how crafty it is, but it is frankly... 
quite smelly, and I don't like the <laughs> presence of it. Well, I, sl- I sleep outside most nights, man. I I, I choose. Oh that. no, and it's also, check it out as a math problem. And right also, there. you you cook food in your hat as well, yeah. right? So well, it's mainly sticks and softer <laughs> leaves, things that I can nestle my head in. Heavens to Betsy, don't you have a bit of sanitation there, Mister Appleseed? Yeah, you maybe wash out the pot every now and again before you cook it. Before you cook with it, because it's gross to be on your head and cook food there, but also. Before you put it back on your head, because it's gross to have food on your head. Yeah, look, I do two things, man. I make apple nurseries, and I blow <laughs> mines. And I think I'm doing the latter right now, and that's okay by me. All so. right, that's fine. So um, uh, you would you would go back. There was no system that you had for, like, how many apples that somebody had sold from one of your nurseries, right? You would just basically say, you know, hey, how many apples did you sell? And they'd say, oh, this many. Then you get a little money from that, right? Well, no, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's pretty loosey-goosey. But, you know, you, you look in someone's eyes, you know, if they're lying to you, you know, you Come back, check on a nursery, and the guy's saying, we're short this month. And I'm like, are we short? We're short? You pick him up, slam him against a tree, you know, look into his eyes, see what's up. Wait, John Appleseed, you would, like, threaten people with physical violence if you just felt like they weren't being straight with you? Look, man, I love people like I love nature, but you can't trust them, man. They're going to try and wet their beaks any chance they can. You can't trust nature, and you can't trust man. You're not about to tell me you like apple trees more than humans. Ooh, (laughs) do you like apple trees more than humans, John Appleseed? Well, they brought me a whole lot less grief than people, I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. I see, I see. You know, apple trees, they don't talk back. They don't sleep with your girl. I, they don't, uh, they I, don't underpay you. Yeah. Well, my uh, mom died when I was two, so. Yeah, oh, that's, well, we will, we will get to that. Good. I promise we'll put a, you. <laughs> that was a doozy, man. Feels like maybe you need to get that off your chest. You got yeah. some stuff you want to talk about? Because that's why I'm mad, you know. My mom took a walk in, you know, to heaven or hell, wherever she went. <laughs> I don't know. But she sure did a runner on me, man. That's how. You, that's what happens when you die. You just take a walk to the afterlife of your choice. Sounds quite casual when you put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so let's go back. So let's go over to uh, George Bernard Shaw for just a moment. Well, if you don't mind, it's uh, Bernard Shaw. Everyone calls me George Bernard Shaw. Mm-hmm. I just like going by Bernard Shaw. Bernard Shaw. You can call me Nard if you like. If how can we lost the? How can we lost the George? I have a. Th- I have a, I suspect I know the answer to this. But why did you drop the George? Oh, I just thought it'd be fun to keep it tight. To keep it tight? It's not because you hated your dad, George Bernard Shaw? I mean, we didn't get along, <laughs> and that's historically known. Yes, me dad I was... I cannot wait to delve into this, just because I know what happens. I know what, what goes on in your relationship. Well, it's very well documented. So your dad, you grew up in Dublin, Ireland. Your I... father was a man named George Carshaw, who Wikipedia describes... Doesn't really say a lot about him, except, except they repeat a couple of times that he was an ineffectual alcoholic. So not enough... <laughs> That he was just an alcoholic. He also just didn't do anything. I know. That's sort of like the stereotypical pairing of Irish folks is that they're all alcoholics. And sadly, we got quite a number of those. But mm-hmm. I had the ineffectual pair there. He I was, was say, lazy, man. too. That's like it's a common enough thing. But to be famous for it, you got to be really ineffectual <laughs> and really drunk. To be an Irish person more, no, more known for your ineffection than your blatant <laughs> alcoholism is truly... That is that impressive. Is a, it's impressive. He was a monster, but you know it that, was impressive. You know that thing that they do over in the, in the United Kingdom where they put like a little blue thing where like an important historical event happened. Aye. Where there'll be like a blue plate where it'll be like, this is where, you know, uh, you know, James Joyce did a thing or mm-hmm. this is where uh, Oscar Wilde did a thing. Aye. Like they should put one of those up for your dad and just be like, he did There'd be a half dozen of those, I'll tell you right there. Right here. There's a lot entire of, life. I swear you could throw 13 of them in my front yard for the amount of times he just <laughs> didn't make eye contact with me. Oh my goodness. The amount of times we wanted to play ball and stick, which was the game in my time. Oh, ball and stick was great. It's good. Uh, ball yes, not stick. baseball. Classic. Don't you ever of confuse it for that damn Yankee that's, game you play all the time. That is an American pastime, of course. Um, but what I wanted to ask you about was, so y- your mom was extremely close with a musician named George John Lee. Ah, yeah, that's fucking George. He, he lived with your family, and there are some people who speculate that he might have been your real father because of the relationship that he had with your mom. And so I wanted to ask you about this this relationship because the Wikipedia is really vague about it. It just says that they were close. Like, what do you think the nature of that relationship was? And do you think, do you have any reason to believe that he might actually be your dad? Well, I'll tell you this. He was certainly a pound machine for me, mother. (laughs) (laughs) We never talked about it, but we all knew it. was he? (laughs) Oh, yes, indeed. As a sort of thing, me father would be off at the bar, and then uh, George Carshaw would come around, and uh, uh, I forget his name sometimes. But you know, George, uh, George John Lee. George, George John, John Lee. Lee. Carshaw was your your quote unquote father. Yes, my quote unquote father would be mm-hmm. off at the bar drinking, and 
George John Lee, well, he'd come over and, you know, for a while we were convinced he was playing the kick drum, but it was a little too fast for a kick drum. <laughs> yeah, it's close quarters, man. You're going to hear it all. Oh, those are some Irish houses. And that's, you've got to be thinking this is pre-insulation, so you're getting every sound of it. Yeah. Those... I was wondering why my, my mother was taking the Lord's name in vain so often. Mm, and, you know, just maybe she's really into the kick drumming. Like maybe she's, oh. <laughs> Coincidentally, oh, my mother was a talented kick drummer. Oh, George John Lee. Oh, the way you kick the drum. Oh, she Jesus. Was. Oh, Faith and Begora. And me mother knew how to get a party going, and get the music going. She was quite good at that. Don't, you know, just because she got it doesn't mean that there's nothing on her for that. But I don't want to be very clear. She was very talented, but she got it in quite a lot, and it was quite distracting. Listen, no, nobody is, nobody's trying to cast aspersions on your mom for getting it wet. No, I'm... You know, that is... <laughs> well, I'm a little uncomfortable when you refer to me mother getting wet. I'll let everybody know when my I mom mean, got it in. This is, I'm, I'm, of course, referring to uh, getting the tip of a dick wet. All right, The Jared, way that, just made the way that a like woman... That, Jared. Well, I'm just the ball. <laughs> you can talk, I can talk about me, mother, getting her sweet, sweet satisfactions, but you can't mention things like that, Jared. I just, I just want to be clear about it, because some people would say, like, get it wet, like a guy would, like, turn a girl on. He's getting her wet, but she gets it wet, meaning she gets the tip of the dick No, wet. we get the mechanics of it, man. You're talking... <laughs> okay, Frank, this is making me very uncomfortable. Well, we can move on. We can move on. But um, so, so he was taking your mom to Poundtown pretty regular. Pretty regular, uh, yes. But you don't suspect that he was your actual dad. You don't think that... Hey, flip a coin. Flip a coin? Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of thing it's like there's so many running among us running around mm, okay. i mean if you're some freak that's like a goggins that has four siblings running around or a mcgillicuddy or a mm -hmm. bennigan's or a tgi <laughs> friday <laughs> Oh, that famous Irish family. A GGI the Fridays. Fridays. Yeah, yeah. There's just a half dozen of them running around. So mm. you can kind of tell it's, you know, it's the Irish twin sort of thing. And, okay. Well, but, you know, so, but uh, you know, probably, but I never cared about it enough. And nothing about, like, the relationship that you had with George John Lee versus the relationship that you had with your father made you think that, like, one was more of a father and one was more of a friend. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He was definitely more of a father figure. Definitely got more of me. Me, I certainly got the fuel for the artistic side from from that uh, from George. Yeah, that's John. what I'm thinking. Maybe those genes, maybe the seed is strong, as they say in Game of Thrones. It's nature, you know nature. About? You don't know, man. <laughs> you know yeah. about seeds being strong, don't you, Johnny uh, Apple? Yeah. Seeds. Well, yeah. I'll, well, I'll say I. As far as when it comes to pleasing women, I definitely got that from me supposed father, as opposed <laughs> to the real father. Well, I definitely have questions about that uh, coming up. But I wanted to ask you this before we move back over to Johnny Apple. Uh, 1873. You are 17 years old. Uh, George John Lee leaves for London, followed soon after by your mother and your sisters, Aye. leaving you and George Carshaw alone together in Dublin. And the two of you live together there for about three years. Yeah, regular American sitcom, if you can, will. Can you tell us about that? Like, did you feel like you got ditched? Did you, did you feel stuck? Or did you enjoy being just like two bachelors living in Dublin together? Like... Like, what was the story there? Well, I'd say there was one good fortnight where we kind of hashed out and had our drinks together. I wasn't happy. I drew the short straw with me sisters because I had to watch. Oh, I was the one that had, you know, I had them as the man of the family. Had so, to, so that was a debate. Like, who gets to go who with has to mom with and George John Lee and who has to stay here with our ineffectual drunken father? Hey, it's just the short change that sort of happened. And But I will say, we and me father, we had one sort of drunken stupor together where we sort of hashed it out for a little bit. Oh, that's good. And then the rest of the time, he was just a vicious a-hole. <laughs> Just right back into the bottle, crawled right back in. Gotcha, gotcha. And then no more eye contact for me. Oh, for the for the remainder of the three years that you guys lived together, not a single not a single moment of catching the glance. Well, there was one time. Ooh, okay. And it was oh, let's see. It was the two of us were over at Shaughnessy's and uh which was a bar down in the town, as you probably gathered. Okay, all right. Same um, <laughs> and there I was talking it up with this one fine lass, just this, uh, this lovely lady named uh, Shannon, and she was, oh, well, uh, I was sitting it up, and then she, at some point of the night, told me that she had she had gone to town with me father. Uh, oh, my which, God. Uh, Your dad got it wet. Tar yard, <laughs> I'm just Jared. saying. I'm clarifying. Getting it wet. You your, dad, your dad got it wet. No, there I was confused. I wasn't sure if going to town actually meant going to a town, but that, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, more that of, have... well, that's because in me town, there was only one room you were allowed to have sex <laughs> in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you're going to town, that very literally meant, well, we're going Everyone's to the sex like, room. Well, why would you go to town unless you're, oh, right. you're going to the room. Yes, yes. Tell me a line. My, there were some rule breakers like me, mother, of course, but any decent person, any mm, decent Catholic. Any God 
God-fearing well, ca- no. Irish Catholic, <laughs> you have sex in the one room in town, mm-hmm. or you don't have sex at all. You booked a time. You booked a time in the room. <laughs> we had half hours, and every once a year, you got a free full hour, but we mm-hmm. all knew most of the men couldn't last that uh, long. Yeah, so, and so, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. You know, it's like, listen, I'm only, I'm a 20-minute man. You're a 20-minute man. Let, let's go in on a, let's go in on a block of time together. Well, you know? that's the thing, Jarrett. Hmm. Things lined up, and. I was a 20-minute man. Oh, my God. My father, father was a 20-minute man. man oh. We became Whoa. a 40-minute pair. <laughs> oh, my God. If that happened between me and my dad, I would avoid eye contact for the rest of our lives also. Well, that uh, was the great thing about it. We were so used to never making eye contact <laughs> with each other. It was like he wasn't there. It was like yeah, he wasn't there. That's a danger of its own, man, if you're not watching what's going on. That's you know? true. you got to be cognizant when you're involved in a devil's triangle. Uh, <laughs> if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 19th century Irish playwright and political activist George Bernard Shaw. I had a threesome with me father. <laughs> and 18th century American icon Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go back over to you, Johnny Appleseed. So you were born in Leo Minster, Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, Leo Minster, sorry, I think it's mm-hmm. in 1774. Leo Town. Leo Town. Yeah. Oh, okay, fun. Your mother died, yeah. as you mentioned, when you were very young. She Sheesh. died in 1776, the same year that our country was founded. Yeah. And I'm wondering, do you think that that inspired any kind of connection to this country for you like you know maybe her spirit is part of this country because she (laughs) no i blame that year i hate that year you blame that year 1776 i blame blame the founding fathers i think they had a part in it you think they had a part in your mother's death and i would just if i had a dream it would be just to take this nation apart brick by brick (laughs) for what it did to my family and i did it you know i started you know i planted these apple trees and i think that's where the real seeds of our uh our democracy's failures coming from back then because mm. you know what people don't just eat those apples they make they make booze out of they apples. made cider out of the they apples do make cider that's right apples. or make apple jack that's my favorite man you just apple make that jack stuff. that's yeah. right it's like the cereal am i correct oh yeah but there's also a it's like an apple flavored jack daniels oh, yeah. oh i'm learning a lot here today <laughs> you, you can just distill the apple cider man and get you messed up it helps you fight me. Oh. It doesn't help you fight. Yeah. What do you mean? It like, doesn't hurt so much if you get punched. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. get a little bit of a stiffer punch to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. why alcoholic drivers tend to survive crashes because they just sort of like their limbs are loose and they just yeah. don't feel the pain. Oh, oh that's so you know? gross. I want to write that one up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry. You said that you blamed your mother's death on the founding fathers and the founding of our nation of America. I mean, it's, it's like a coincidence. Do that's... you have any evidence to support this? What do you think the story is of your mother's death that it was connected to? to the founding of our country. All I know is that one day my mom was fine. <laughs> and then the next day they say, oh, we're a sovereign nation. And then she gets sick and then she dies. So mm-hmm. I don't, I can't connect. I don't know every little thing that happens behind closed doors. Did it? Some what, crazy how, stuff. Can you, can you show us like that moment? Like, were you like in the house, someone showed up and was like, great news, everybody, we're a sovereign nation. All of a sudden your mother drops a plate, faints to the floor, and the doctor comes over and is like, She's gone, John. And I said She's gone. and I said, Who's to blame? <laughs> and I and I said, Was it Thomas Jefferson? Was it Ben Franklin? They said they all had a part to play. And the doctor said that. Yeah, well, I think he thought I was talking about the founding of the nation, but <laughs> I see. You and then your, you, you, you get your wires crossed. Yeah, and then you see these pictures, these guys, this dark cabal huddled around a room, mm-hmm. you know, some shadowy document i think printed on human skin mm-hmm. and that's a that is a wild accusation that there's no evidence of as far as i know but no, let's check it out let's go to the national archives and <laughs> check only, it out do you guys want to go do you want to go steal the declaration of independence and we can see if it's made out of human skin <laughs> the international treasure movie is all i need to know that's the real deal i'm just saying anything the cage does i trust ah uh, yeah get in the cage he ma'am. won't put his name on trash <laughs> Truer things have never been said about <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Uh, so your father then remarried. He married a woman named Lucy Cooley. Um, and, you know, you have a life after this, a couple of years after this, where you start tramping around the country. That's right. Just like moving around, not having a job, not having a home. Yeah, I took my 11-year-old brother with me, too. Yeah, I know. But, no damn. but you know, <laughs> did you and your your stepmother get along? Like you were two years old when she, you know, became part of your family. You know, and I'm wondering if your desire to like get away is at all, you know, related to this woman coming in that's not your mom. But she she was a real square, and I, uh, I tell you, because my mom, as I recall, was was pretty cool. Yeah, but you know? so you have memories of your mother from before she died when you were two years old. I kind of picture her as kind of like a blurry, amorphous, <laughs> war, like warm colors. Okay, and that's mom to me. Okay, and she's uh, just like chill. 
Yeah, and providing just, food yeah. and shelter and warmth right. and such. And she's got a good vibe. Yeah, you know. Whereas, and then this new woman comes in, Lucy Cooley. Yeah. All just all elbows and sharp features. And she, I remember, when, I think one time she tried to button my collar and pinch my neck in it. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. yeah so I shoved her. Oh, oh wow! You shoved Lucy Cooley, your stepmother. That's right. I was about three or four years old. I shoved oh my her. God. Tried, I was looking for a well to put her in. But you were looking for a well down. to put her in. I was always trying. Right. Like, whenever I shove someone, I, I have. A, I like to have a little plan, a little story <laughs> in my head of what's going to happen. I like stairs. I like wells. I like uh, a pit. Anything. Pit, anything that someone can fall down or yeah. into. Or like a wild animal. Or like a wild animal you can push them onto, yeah. and then an animal does the dirty work. Oh, yeah. yes. Do it Simba style. <laughs> yeah. Simba style. You know, Simba, the one that did the murder in that yeah, movie. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, I need to rewatch that movie, but I think, when you're saying tracks. It was Mufasa. Uh, let's go back over to Scar. Uh, George. One of, George, one of the lines. They're, they all look alike. Is that is that offensive to say? No, all, they're cats, man. All lines look alike, you know? Hashtag not all lions. <laughs> So you eventually, uh, George Bernard Shaw, you move to London uh, to move in with your mother. You work a few odd jobs and you begin to write. You write some music criticism and you also write your first novel called The Immaturity, uh, which the Wikipedia describes as too grim for publishers and was not released for 50 years. Can you tell us about that book, Immaturity, your first novel that was too grim for publishers. Yeah, I'll cut to the chase. Too much incest. Too much incest. I well, I just talked about the details of me and me father for a little too long and that, and they were Im- too immature to realize we were just two men not looking at each other the Ooh, whole time. Ooh, interesting that you would have that much foresight about your own relationship. Not foresight, but that own... In, what do you, what, self, self-reflection? What's the word I'm looking for? Set of perspective. Set perspective. Of perspective. Yes, it's all perspective on your own relationship it's with your father. They are, yeah, yes. yeah. So how long was this book? Was it This book was 700 pages. 700 pages. Okay. And yes. it's just about your relationship with your dad. Primarily, yes, and sort of his immaturity level and mm. all the sort of things going along there. And you do talk about like that one threesome that you had. It is mentioned in that the that was the moment. Room. Is that like the longest chapter? <laughs> Like it's more or less a preamble than like a It's 600 it up, pages yeah. of preamble and then 100 pages of that day. Of just that. So it's like a 600 page intro, 100 pages. That's the actual novel. Just one threesome with your dad. Yes, I believe many folks today would consider it uh, pornography. Mm, okay, that's fair. Uh, so you also were doing music criticism at the time, right? Aye, aye, aye. Uh, what was it like being a music critic in the, in the late 1800s? Because I'm not really sure what you know what what kind of music there was around and like what 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 you know what you, you you'd be talking about you know like you're not talking about bands the way that we'd be talking about bands now if you're a music critic right no no you're dealing with either chamber ensembles or smaller things and frankly they were all missing key elements of mm. just you know harder lifestyles not really having a lot going on just you know i, I want Wait, to... so you were you weren't criticizing the actual music you were criticizing the lifestyle of the musicians yeah you know it's all part of the music i'm not going to enjoy a, oh let's see I, let's take a more modern Led Zeppelin, I, you know, their music's great. You know, yeah. it's great. Everyone's a Zeppelin head. But Everyone's it's a lot Zeppelin. cooler when you think about all the shit they did, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. I don't want some cello player that goes home, has a cup of tea, and then fucks off for a night. <laughs> I want a cello player that's out on town and just boning left and right. You, yeah. you, get, you gotta sell that thing on stage too, man. That's a big old hunk of wood. You want a cello player it. who is getting it wet in the town's Jared, one sex room. Jared, don't you say the just term getting it wet. 24-7. He is just getting it wet. Wet Jared. his tip. And wet and pusses. That's well, what that cello player is doing. It's not about me, mother, so I'll forgive it. <laughs> That's true. And like Johnny Appleseed was saying, you can tell, man, when they're rocking up there with their cello, you can tell what kind of life they have. Oh, uh, you can tell you the know? difference between uh, a fella or a lass that's getting it in on stage versus one that Hell ain't. Hell yeah. There's just downtrodden look, <laughs> weak <laughs> penises, and <laughs> dry vaginas. Man, I'd say like most classical shows I ever went to, I'd be like, that's my big problem. There's a lot of weak dicks. Yes. A lot of weak dicks at classical. I did this one. I can tell this dude fucked, though. You know, I went to this one classical music show where I was like, this guy. This guy fucking gets you know it, who, man. You know who fucks in most concert chamber ensembles? Who? The conductor. Oh, hell, hell yeah. yeah. The course. conductor's old he's in that a, stage He's in a position there. of power. You know, who, you know who fucks, by the way? Yo-Yo Ma. Like, Yo-Yo just Ma look fucks. at that dude. Just look at that guy. Oh, Yo-Yo Ma fucks just, all the time. Yo-Yo fucks your Ma is what they should. Jared, <laughs> Jared, <laughs> Jared don't you bring up the idea of fucking me, mother. 
Jared, I know you saw a picture of me mother earlier, and I, I mean, could she's tell. a dish. She was. She was a beautiful woman, and I can say that. She was but you keeping can't. it tight. We talking about this is a compliment. It's flattering, but I don't like the idea. Okay, it's fair enough. Now, one one final question for you uh, before we go to break. So, you, as you're becoming a burgeoning writer, 1880, you join the Zetetical Society, uh, whose objective was quote search for truth in all matters affecting the interests of the human race. And I wanted to ask you about that, because that's a pretty wide scope, isn't it? It's wide. Yeah, to search for truth in all matters affecting the interests of the human race. Like, Can you give an example of something that would be discussed in the Zetetical Society? Ah, yes, well, the Zetetical Society, it was a group of moral intellectual people, but the problem was a lot of us, you know, were just, we thought we weren't really getting out too much, you know? (laughs) So we thought people might get impressed if we have very flowery language about what we said. So we Hmm. thought, you know, if we make up a society and start having something we could bring up at parties about how cool we are and how smart and sophisticated we were. Make jackets or something with your name on it. (laughs) Aye, Mr. Appleseed, you're getting a lot over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, you would have fit in right over well, man. You felt the vibe. You felt the vibe hard. You, we could have used you. A lot of squares were in the club. But... Now, let me ask you this. So did anybody bring up a thing ever in the Zetetical Society? And you guys ought to be like, hold on a second. Like, this doesn't really affect the interests of the human race. Like, why are we talking about this, you know? We had one fucking asshole. What did he talk about that you're like, hold on a second, dude. That does not affect the interests of the human race. As Tate, you know... James fucking Joyce. James Joyce? Oh, oh that dour asshole. James just wanted Joyce? To talk about, oh, what's the point of all of this? <laughs> Why are we here? Why aren't we reflecting on the, the, the mistiness of the world? And mm. All of us are just, calm the fuck down. We just want something to talk about at parties. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. And you He's, know, that does sound like a James Joyce thing to do. So yeah. I had him in the studio. It's a real James Joyce shit to do. Yeah, he was a real boner killer. <laughs> he was not getting away. Oh, wait, no, well, he was. He was getting it pretty regular. <laughs> I'll have to listen to the episode. Yeah, it's a good sometime. episode. Uh, let's go back to Johnny Appleseed before we go to break real quick. So 1792, we've already touched upon this a little bit. You're 18 years old. You persuade your 11-year-old brother Nathaniel to go west with you, and the two of you live a nomadic life for 13 years. Hey, That's hi. correct, right? Yeah, and here's the here's the thing. It's like, uh, it's real easy to talk an 11-year-old into doing something. <laughs> of uh, course. It's I real hard. Sense. Real hard to maintain that interest, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like he's like, let's do it, let's go on an adventure, and then like a week of like sleeping on the ground and not having food regularly. Mm-hmm. He was he became a liability, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, mm-hmm. he stayed with you for thirteen years, yeah, doing, doing your tramping lifestyle, tramping well, all over America. He was away from home for thirteen years. Yeah. I kind of did a, a a nail deal with him where I kind of. Shoved him off in the woods by himself and let him fend on his own. I tell Wait, people, when like, people would be like, "Hey, where's your brother?" I'm like, "Oh, he's just getting some firewood." But man, I left him in like Ohio. I, you I left him somewhere. I mm-hmm. feel like that might leave someone a little poorly adjusted. I think uh, so too. You got a touch feral. You got a little bit feral. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so you guys were out in the woods together for 13 years? We, we were How together much? for six months. Six months? Yeah. So he spent 12 years and six months by himself in the woods. Yeah. Before he was able to locate your family in Ohio. Yeah, there are several. Uh, legends about him as well. Ooh, He's known as the, the man of the woods or like the goblin child <laughs> or like the wolf boy, dog boy, owl kid. Uh, owl kid. He I learned think... a lot apparently. Oh, interesting. I... Wait, so people thought that he maybe he was like raised by owls or something? Yeah, because he would eat a lot of mice. <laughs> Sorry, George Bernard Shaw, were you about to say something? Oh, no, I was just too? very curious. When was the last time you saw your brother? What sort of state was he in? Yeah, mm-hmm. he, uh, he did not adjust super well back into society honestly um it, it, uh he kind of brought a lot of that w- wood life back <laughs> in with him a wood life yeah he yeah you can put a kid in the woods but you can't take the woods out of the kid yeah as, as the expression goes He's... as we all know <laughs> and as i'm sure listeners at home know the classic expression. The classic expression. <laughs> you can put a kid in the woods, but he's not going to get it wet. Yeah. You yes, as we all know. So, yeah. So then he goes and rejoins your family in Ohio after yeah. 13 years. And he'd lost language. Uh, <laughs> so he would he would just be screeching and howling. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, it was a real mess. It did not uh, It did not go well with us. 
Yeah, did uh, you feel responsible at all for for succumbing your younger brother to this kind of life? Well, here's the thing. I left because my stepmom had thrown out one of my favorite shirts. So I think a lot of that's on her. <laughs> so, you know what? It's hard to argue with that logic. Yeah, what in doubt? Blame uh, a parent. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to uh, take a short break, but we will be right back with Johnny Appleseed and George Bernard Shaw on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBaronson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening and now back to the podcast welcome back to famous dead people on radio free brooklyn famous dead people the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions i'm your host jared berenstein and we are here every monday at 3 p.m on radio free brooklyn my guests in the studio today are 19th century irish playwright and political activist famous for works such as pygmalion and saint joan george bernard shaw top of the morning and 18th century american pioneer nursery man who introduced apple trees to large parts of the eastern united states john chapman aka johnny appleseed Toko. oh man we have really been getting into it here on this episode but let's go back to uh, george bernard shaw for just a moment so hey. let's talk a little bit about your views on art and politics a little bit ah. uh, because you believe that art should be didactic that it should have a message that it should instruct uh so in 1884 you join the fabian society which Mm. as i understand it and feel free to correct me if i'm wrong is a democratic socialist organization is that right and i have to be careful in these states here but uh (laughs) yes it is a socialist organization so you guys were a bunch of fucking bernie bro Medicare no, for all. I was fucking. the original Bernie bro. <laughs> you were the Bernie Bernard bro. Shaw, the Bernie bro. Oh my god, I didn't even I didn't even link that up. Yes, I mean That's so obvious. Sure, socialism's increase in American society is great, but it would have been nice if I got credit for it. Yeah, you really should. We really should be kicking a socialist nickel over to George Bernard Shaw for being the original but Bernie bro. But then we bro. would spread that nickel equally equally amongst ourselves. Amongst everybody there. So hopefully there's uh something that divides evenly into five time. people. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Now, part of your specific political philosophy is you preach gradualism, i.e. slow and incremental change to bring about a better better society, as opposed to, like, people who are more anarchistic about democratic socialism, where they wanted, like, no, we're going to rip the whole thing apart, and we're going to change it today. Is that right? I and. Pardon me, this would be a bit filthy, but I would refer to it as the, you don't want to blow your load sort of thing. I mean, sure, it's great to have a student uprising and to bring out a big new wave. But if you want lasting change, if you want a long, lovely plan with your partner, Mm -hmm. you want to have a slow build up, check in with them, feel what they like. Communication. Communicate and then build up a rhythm so you can maintain that socialistic erection for a long time. (laughs) Start slow and build and build until finally we have come (laughs) To a political change. <laughs> Did you ever say as you were preaching this, like, you know, listen, you guys, you young kids with your anarchy, you want to change the system now. You're trying to just you're trying to just get it in there, man. It turns into a fucking but, mess out there. But you gotta you gotta get it wet first, man. You have got Jared, to, I was fine got, with this analogy you until you use that term. Get it I wet. can use it, you cannot. You have gotta get it wet before you get it in Jared there. Jared Gradualism. You gotta get it wet. Yeah, because he did but he wasn't <laughs> talking about like the mechanics. That's what gets me. You're talking about stuff going in stuff and like mm-hmm. rubbing. Yes, this there's a like fine a, line. A gentleman's, you know, kind of description of the uh, the act. Yeah. Wait, my, my description? No, no. no. <laughs> okay. I was saying it's in the contrast. I gotcha. Okay, I wanted to be clear about that. So you, as I as I said, your your belief was that art should not exist for art's sake. So how would you express the sort of like moral of gradualism in your work in your plays? 
Well, I'd eat my books. You would eat your books. Yes. Hmm, okay. How does this? I'm I'm not seeing the link up right now. So yes, yeah, so many me people it. might look walk, at that and say, it. "How do you get from point A to point Z over here?" Yeah, yeah. I, I think I know. I'm gonna wait it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be wise to do that, Johnny Appleseed, mm-hmm. because like a tender uh, burger, we're, we're in the end game now. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what movie Jared just saw at the time of this recording. <laughs> So, yeah, you're saying eating your books equals gradualism in your art. Go. Ah, uh, yes. Well, you know, the sort of thing, if you eat your, if you try to eat a whole book in 30 seconds, you'll choke to death. Mm. That's how I lost several of me brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the Wikipedia doesn't say anything about brothers. I'm guessing they all died from book yeah. eating related accidents. Well, Wikipedia is just art for art's sake. It's not having a point to it. That's right. We need more references. We need more... People who know what they're talking about on Wikipedia, but go ahead. Yes, you want to slowly chew each page. Mm. And if you can enjoy the written word as a meal, now you're cooking. Okay, so how were you, so you were, I'm guessing, doing this on stage during your plays as if to say, you're enjoying this play. Well, no one documented it, but for for any time you say saw Pygmalion, which mm. is one of my more popular known plays. Of course. I, in the earlier shows while I was still alive, I would sit on stage the whole time and eat a copy of the script. You'd eat a copy of oh, Pygmalion. And the only shows that, shows that would get positive reviews are the ones I didn't vomit up pages <laughs> before the end of it. I see. And so you were hoping that this would would connect with the audience and they would see, oh my God, he's really getting a lot done mm-hmm. by doing like a little bit at a time. Yes. In the early versions, you know how Eliza has a bit of a speech impediment. She talks very yes. cockney. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she, as a training method from Professor Henry Egan's, he would make sure that you would chew on fo- on the book and still be able to pronounce words correctly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't marbles. It was pages of the script they were performing. Interesting. I, I like it as a uh, source of revenue because maybe the first time you go to see the play, the second time you just to see that guy eat that book <laughs> live theater it's hard to watch come two see, things at once come see a masterwork of irish playwriting and, and then also, and it's also fun because like maybe you vomit on one show and then someone's come back like i wonder if he's gonna eat the whole thing this I time i had a couple of hecklers that would egg me <laughs> on a couple of a-holes in the back row that just what like, were some of the hecklers you got george bernard shaw vomit the book you <laughs> irish freak most of them were americans <laughs> i was gonna say it, it, there it come over see of like fellas from what was the place? Long Islands. That would come in. Mm, some Long Islanders? Yeah. Coming all the see. way over there? Yeah, to be like, bro, fucking put that thing in your mouth and vomit it out, you fucking freak. You know what, man? I got a lot of that, too, because sometimes be guys that hang in my nursery be like, nice tree asshole. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. had, you had people from Long Island who would heckle your tree planting? Yeah, apple seed? I'd, be, I'd be going back to check up on it. And there'd be just some guy in a Jets jersey just <laughs> screaming shit at it. <laughs> Yes. They'd be like, back off, man. Oh, man. Yes, no one knows that the New York Jets was an iconic thing in New York before the team yeah. existed. Of course. Yeah, around 17, so was it 17, uh, 1778 that the Jets were founded? Yeah, well, yeah I, I thought, think. The story like I heard was they, they had uncovered a, a, an ancient jet buried in uh, <laughs> somewhere around uh, <laughs> Sussex County, and then the mm-hmm. legend sprung up. And then oh, they, yeah. And yes. then we sort of like reverse engineered yeah, Jets yeah, yeah, from yeah, that. Yeah. Like, that's where the Wright brothers got their design for Alien planes. tech. Alien tech. Yes, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Aliens exist. All three of us. We're speaking the same language. And I'm sure the listeners at home agree with us. There's no blue pill cucks here. We all know what... We all know what the deal is with ancient planes in Uh, Long Island. I'm not a blue pill cuck, but I am a cuck. (laughs) That is something that helps me to sustain an erection. It's fine if you're a red pill cuck. Uh, (laughs) Let's go back over to uh, Johnny Appleseed for just a moment. So after your brother... Uh, and you split, which, as we discovered, is was six months Pretty into, early your, on, yeah. into your 13 years on the road. Uh, you begin an apprenticeship as an orchardist uh, under a man named Mr. Crawford. The Wikipedia does not have his first name. Uh, did you ever know what his first name Dale. was? Dale. Dale. Dale Crawford. Ah, and I have to imagine this was sort of like a light bulb moment for you in your life because you were tramping about for like 13 years. And finally, and you're not doing anything like you're not preaching the gospel. You're not, you know, like planting trees or whatever. I was like, I was stealing. You were just doing lots of steals. Yeah. Okay. But now this guy's like, here's how you can plant an apple tree. Like that must have been, you know, like a, like a decisive moment for you. That must've changed the course of, uh, the way that oh, you thought about tramping. Oh right? yeah. Because like. Uh, a lot of times when you're on the road, you, you're like, man, I could really go for some food now. And like, you would love to see a fruit tree. <laughs> sure, sure. And I, and then I, I meet this guy because what I, what I had done 
is I had climbed over a fence to his to his uh, fruit stand, right? Ooh, okay. Right. And I was grabbing apples and grabbing uh, a plum that had been preserved in the previous season. <laughs> a singular plum <laughs> yeah. hanging from a tree. Oh, man, he must have yeah. been upset that you took his last he plum. He was mad because he, he clearly took There was like a candle. He never made grabbing you by the plum. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He did not like it. But rather than strike me with uh, a switch, as was the fashion of the time, <laughs> He he grabbed me by the back of my shirt, and uh, he he gave me a talking to. But he said, "Look, man, but he's a bit more proper." He he said, "Look, we can make these trees wherever we need them." Oh wow! That's the art of orchardry and nursery crafts. Oh my goodness! That one right there. Yeah, that dude convincing you just with his honey toned like a Mel Torme. Yeah. Oh wow, that was incredible. That is like a Jeff Daniels way to it or something like that. Mm. He was was not unlike him, yeah. Yeah. Now after you had, you know, you 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 decide to learn, you know, the art of planting these apple trees from Dale, um, and you don't start an orchard. You don't decide to stay in one place Mm -mm. and grow apples and have that be your life. You just add that to your tramping, right? No, we had a falling out. I mean, in the end he was kind of a square. Um so I burned down his orchard, uh, <laughs> took a bag of apple seeds from there. I, uh, you know, a lot of the mates I hung out with in my society had our orchards burned down. Uh, that <laughs> is mean, squares. It's You want to get to someone, man, you just burn their orchard down. Yes, yeah, so the <laughs> quick way to strike emotion in someone is burn something they have down. <laughs> it gets the message across, I think. Hi. So yeah, you have this falling out, you burn his trees. Yeah, and I start yeah, start moving around with my sack, and uh, and I say, well, maybe maybe I'll sell some trees. Maybe you'll sell some trees. Yeah, so I put a couple down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, wait a minute, trees don't grow so fast on their own. <laughs> so then I had, I don't know, a little bit where I thought maybe I could communicate with the plants and make them grow faster. Mm. Uh, and I did not have that power. Oh, um, that is a shame. Which was a disappointment. I ended up getting pretty mad at those trees. <laughs> and I burned them down. Oh, what a uh, shame. You burned the trees that you literally just planted. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, stood, I sat there for like three weeks mm. and I, I turned into a sprout and I... Soaked the whole soil with beef tallow. That's a real vendetta <laughs> you got there. So, you wait for three weeks. You plant it. You take it into the world. You wait for three whole weeks, and then you burn it down once it's ready to go. Yeah. I mean, I got a long fuse, but when it goes, it goes. <laughs> Remind me not to cross you, Mr. Appleseed. Yeah. Or you, yeah. You strike me as like a real uh, James Taylor type, like easygoing, yeah, up to a point. But yeah. he's seen fire, and he's seen rain. He, yeah. he, and he's going to show you the fire now. Yeah. Uh, mm, I mean, with an itinerant lifestyle, what it does for you is it allows you to really burn a lot of things down i was gonna say burn bridges but mainly it was pieces where people lived well, yeah because like if you're an arsonist in the 1700s yeah you know there's no dna there's no uh who had a motive you know you walk into town you burn something and then you you fucking dip out yeah and guess what what are they first, gonna do first time i do it they go oh, it was john chapman and i go john chapman i never <laughs> heard of him sorry <laughs> and they go wait a minute aren't you john chapman and then, yeah then i shove him <laughs> shove him down a well I had assumed that that's where you would say no I'm Johnny Appleseed but instead you're saying no I just murder that person then. yeah no here's a, here's a freebie man if, you, if you're dealing with me and you find myself slowly kind of guiding you in one direction Nine out of ten times, just towards a well or some stairs, and I'm going to shove you. You are getting shoved. Yeah. I'm only hanging out with you in Flatland, let me tell yeah. you. Well, like I said, that's man. That's not going to help you. That's if you don't do nothing you. crazy, we're all cool. Yeah, but even that's not going to help you, man, because there's wild animals. You, there could be steps, you know. But, or, Johnny, this may be the last time you and I ever have an interaction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, well look, you never man, know. Like, we'll see. We'll see us. how it goes. That's uh, true. If this is a surprisingly <laughs> popular episode, you can yeah. bring us back. Of course I can bring us <laughs> back. the people of the radio want it. Yeah, if there is a massive public calling for a return of the Johnny Appleseed, George Bernard Shaw, I'm not, listen. I've I've gotten a couple of emails from fans in the past. I'm up. I'm up. But for if it. we get some like massive response to this episode, we'll do a part two, Johnny Appleseed and George Bernard Shaw. That's uh, yeah. it. Mail your local radio stations an Appleseed and a copy <laughs> of Pygmalion in protest and solidarity. <laughs> or you can email uh, famous dead people at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Either one of those ways, and I will get the message that you want to see this iconic pair back on Famous Dead People. But I mean, Jared's method's better, but it'd be a lot more dramatic. It would be a lot more fun. Would be. And I would love to get that mail. But uh, for those of you just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 18th century icon uh, Johnny Appleseed. Hey, yeah, and just remembered, uh, heads up, I dug a lot of pits with spikes in them, too. (laughs) 
if you're in the if you're in the Wilkes-Barre area, I did a lot of them there. Is it Mind anywhere you. that's near trees? Just you know, just because that's where you would be, so you would want to make sure that your area was. Protected. Yeah, well, there were a lot of times they were near bars and stuff where I, found I needed them. Okay, and we are here with 19th century Irish playwright and political activist George Bernard Shaw. I consider a hug death. <laughs> So this is something I've been very excited about asking you about, George Bernard Shaw. So the mid-1880s marked a turning point in your life, both mm. personally and professionally. This is from the Wikipedia. Quote, he had two novels published, began a career as a critic, and he lost his virginity. And so my first question to you is, which of those three things had the biggest impact on you at you the time? Know, Jared. Which of those had the you most know. demonstrable and measurable effect on your mood and your psychology. One caused the others. Okay. Which is also curious because I remember, because this is 29 years old that the Wikipedia says you lost your virginity. I... But we had already discussed earlier that when you were between the ages of 17 and 20, you had a threesome with your dad at the one sex room in Dublin. Yeah, I just had mouth stuff done to me. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Which... So you were at the front of the train. Yes, you were. Yeah, choo choo. <laughs> <laughs> you were the acute. You were the ninety degree angle on the uh, on the that's devil's triangle. And for many people, that's considered still very sexual pleasing. A lot of people still very nice. And a lot of people like that. And maybe <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm personally a fan of it as well. Yeah, a lot of people like that. A lot of yeah. people, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I still mm-hmm. count that as an active sex life, even if other things weren't happening as often for that person. Gotcha. Not that I would have any reason to bring that up. Of course. So we have established that your one sexual experience before 29 was getting a blow one blowjob a single blowjob in the sex room from a woman with your dad that's why uh, i wrote a whole damn book and about then it. after that uh nine years later you're extremely shy around women and an elderly widow named jane patterson seduces Oy. you oh man it does not James say patterson's <laughs> great grandmother <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. Famous airport author, James Patterson. Hi. His Manhattan grand- College alumni, James, James Patterson. Patterson. It does not, the Wikipedia does not say how old she was. It just says that she was a widow, and it says that she was, quote, some years his senior. So did you, do you know how old Jane Patterson was? She was 60 years my 60, senior. Wait, so 60 years older than you. So at the age of 29. She was 89. Oh, my God. An 89-year-old woman seduced you and took your real virginity. I, you, I, you lost your My mouth. traditional penis and vagina virginity. Gotcha. So There's the mechanics again, man. <laughs> got, got it. It must have taken a while to get away if we're, if we're you know, just... Uh, I, you know, and you want to be able to please. So the thing was, she was the only one that could tolerate me because at that point, the sexual inexperience had caught up with me. Mm, okay. And it was, as, as sadly many men may know, it takes a while to uh, uh, create an erection and then sometimes sustain an erection when you're sec- uh, sexually inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, so yes. basically, she was there to get the reps in. Uh, she was there. You were uh... <laughs> you were <a> tally. <laughs> Aye, and we tally. We did. Okay, so we made a checkerboard, my friend. <laughs> oh, disgusting! Of uh, tallies. <laughs> could you? Can you describe the seduction for us? Like, how was it that you came to know each other? How was it that? What, what were the moves that she did to try to uh, to get you into bed to take to punch your V card for you? Well, naturally, I was hanging out at a local pub. Uh, I was in the States at this point, taking a little bit of a visit. And she walked in, and she had a curious, curious manner about her. And she Mm. looked me right in the eye, and then pointed down and lifted up her skirt. Oh, my God. And Uh. showed me a whole ankle. Oh, my goodness. A whole ankle. Well, hello there. And she said, that's for you there. Ooh, this ankle is for you. Yeah. You want to get some of this? Well, I got that. I got the whole tree trunk. (laughs) And I need to take a shower after saying that. Did she, she give you one of them uh, one of them finger waves? Like, get over here, boyo. Hey, we, we shagged in the back room. We shagged in the front room. We <laughs> oh, shut down the bar. Wait, she, wait. wait when you're th- saying front room, back room, are you saying actual rooms? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. We never did anal. <laughs> oh, so, you're st- so do you still have your, uh, you still have one of your virginities left then if you didn't do anal with uh, with Jane Patterson? Oh, that's be my 30s there, Jared. Oh, so you, did th- you got that eventually then? <laughs> yes. Okay. A woman at the age Whoosh. of 99 came. <laughs> Up to me oh, fantastic. And said, this back door is open for you. <laughs> oh, man. And wow. At that point, I could sustain an erection. What an adventure indeed. You know, I, I, I really want to get more details on this, but I, I want to go back over to uh, 
to uh, Johnny Appleseed for just a moment. Uh, so there are a few stories about you that are somewhat apocryphal. I'd like to get your take on them and see if you tell us if the real if this is uh-huh. the real story for yeah, the yeah. truer version. Uh, so you were very passionate about mm-hmm. the uh, the new church. Yeah, you preached the gospel of the new church wherever you went. Uh, but once you came upon a missionary giving a sermon against extravagance, and he said, quote, Where now is the man who is traveling to heaven barefooted and clad in coarse raiment? At which point you walked up and placed your bare foot on the stump and said, Here's your primitive Christian. Yeah. Is that so, that, that, that story is true? Uh, kind of. Okay. So um, <laughs> I I'd had quite a bit of, of some applesauce, which I called... Uh, booze. Booze. Okay. Uh, that, so, that lines up. That's great. Yeah, that's right there. Let's get an applesauce. I like that. <laughs> Johnny, Sorry, Johnny's getting applesauce seven days a week. <laughs> I ate the only wordsmith here, Mr. Bell. <laughs> well, you did write a book, so that makes true. I wrote one Fair book. Enough. Yeah, yeah. One book. I got one book under my belt. Did you so. eat it? What, did I eat the book? Yeah. Did no, you eat I haven't. How does it taste? Maybe it would have sold better if I'd ate my book. Make a show of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. do a live stream of you eating your book, and for every minute you do it, you'll, people will sell a copy. I will produce a play version, a dramatic reading of my book, The Kelly and Conway Technique, and I'll eat it on stage, and maybe we can fucking push some copies. Maybe we can push, push a little paper. Copies. Move yeah. it, move it. Okay, so you were saying, Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. You were, so getting, you were a little applesauced. I had fallen asleep under a pew. And I just woke up hearing someone saying, where is the raggedy person with bare feet? Mm-hmm. And it sounded like one of those deals where people start saying, where's that guy? Where's that guy? Aye, and then aye. a bunch of people rush you and throw you out, you know? So I wait, thought... Wait, I'm sorry, what? One of those dealers. I'm sorry, I've never yeah, had that. I'm I've not... been kicked out of closing time from a bar, but I've never had people <laughs> witch hunt me like that. Wait, yeah. so someone is saying, like, where's that guy? Yeah, who's As if that to guy? say, we hate that guy. Get yeah. him out of here. Who's that guy that burned down the barn? Who's mm-hmm. that guy that... Oh, right, the various yeah. arson crimes. Yeah, that drowned a pig we in the trough. We suspect he may be an arsonist, so where is he? Because we want want to get him out of here yeah so i thought i had him off of the past and i just be it's me and then i was about to level him with uh you know just some, some verbal repartee but mm-hmm. also maybe some some fisticuffs as well okay. some shoving per se yeah and so now the story goes that you put your stump up there and he was like uh, uh, uh. yeah it turned out there was just a brutal burn on him <laughs> and the uh the the crowd just was like wow they do that do that that finger snap thing like wow and oh. they were flipping out, and that oh, guy. Shite. I honestly, I think you stopped believing in God at that point. Oh, that's like when that's like when someone owns a heckler, you know, and yeah. the audience back is like, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. oh, oh, whoa, that heckler, Patrice O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> so this is that's always a reaction. Like this guy just got owned, yeah, on his own sermon stage. So I, I tried for a while to kind of do that wherever I saw like, kind of like a revival <laughs> preacher. I would come in there and drop like a heavy line on him. But it, it was that one situation where it really clicked. A lot of times people would say, John, go away. You're just yelling at the preacher. Mm, I mm. see. But the thing, the thing that, that I don't understand about that story is that like he's, he was trying to make a point about like general society. Yeah. Where he's like, we need more people like this. Yeah, we need more poor people, and which so, there were plenty of poor people. And so you going up there and being like, I'm one of those people doesn't like really negate his point. Because you're just one person. He's no, like got an entire I'm, sermon of. No, he was all high. He was all uppity, but he was like, saying, where if you guys where is the and like he was expecting to just own that entire crowd, but he didn't because he thought they couldn't produce a barefoot guy. Oh, so guy. his entire attitude was, I bet you can't even show me oh, one yeah. barefooted it, Christian. It was like a who oh, yes. among you, and I was like, oh, I got a pot for a hat too, <laughs> bitch. The smelly freaking pot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a dead bird in it now. You know, we are... Well, that explains the death smell I'm feeling. We are quickly running out of time, uh, so I think we can fit a couple more questions in here. Let me go back to George Bernard Shaw for just a moment. Hi! So, 1922, you produced your largest scale theater work to date, uh, a show called Back to Methuselah, which is a five-act play where each act is a different play from a different period of time from the Garden of Eden... All the way to the year 3,000. Hi. 30,000. Sorry, 30,000. Wow. Now, would you walk us through those five acts, which time period was which, and sort of like what basically happened in each of those plays? So Garden of Eden was actually the first one. The first one, one of course. Uh, yes, and that was all about leaf placement. All right, so for to make sure that everybody had their bits and pieces, if you will. Aye, but okay. there were a couple of ones. <laughs> 
where they took the leaves off. Oh, yeah. okay. It's a bit of a go for a spoof. All right, I see what's Get going on. Get the seats on. and the asses a little bit of nudity. That whole, uh, that whole audience is getting it wet. Getting yes, out. I had a rejected version from my producer where we had everything covered but the anus. <laughs> Had you not lost your 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 anal virginity card at this point? You read into that situation. Is it you're correctly. really trying to. You're like, well, I'm trying to stack the odds in my favor here. Let's, I know uh, I'm a famed writer that people think is very subtle with their writing, but today I'm feeling nailing it on the head. <laughs> okay, so that's Act One, Garden of Eden. Let's see your butthole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so what's Act Two? Act Two is uh, it, it was a uh, uh, Stonehenge. Stonehenge. Ah, okay. uh, yes. Um, so it was a bunch of uh, a lot of people think it's a uh, you know druid sort of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was meant to be a bunch of dicks. A bunch of erect dicks. Uh. What's the things on top then, though? Because there are some famous. It's not just uh, well, pieces um, of stone sticking well, up. Of some course. of them had like rocks on top of them. Well, boys, I don't know if you've ever lived before, but you haven't really enjoyed yourself if you've hung out with a bunch of mates, lined up your erections, <laughs> and put blocks on top of your dick. You mean like you lie down and you make so like you go cross legs around. Your erect dicks are standing up in the air. Yes, to make they... a little circle of your dicks, <laughs> and then <laughs> take little blocks and then put them on. I tell you, it's quite a time. Yeah, right, carry so that... it, man. The sun's almost right. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it becomes a sundial. So that's Act Two. What's Act Three? Act Three is uh, uh, it was just a bunch of monkeys hanging around. <laughs> they are funny. What time period was that supposed to be? I didn't label it. <laughs> okay, that's Act Three. What's Act Four? Act Four is Jesus time. Okay, so that's. <laughs> So that's around zero. That's around, around zero, zero AD. Uh, yes, it's it's Jesus time, and that was strictly a musical. Ooh, fun musical. All right. Uh, uh, just any kind of plot, or was it was it a Jesus musical? Uh, we just did the Bible in musical form. Oh, fun! But think sort of like techno hip hop sort of thing. Okay, now that's Act Four, right? Mm-hmm. The Jesus story. Yes, and then we skip all the way to thirty thousand AD. Yes. Okay, so what's that story about? Uh, How did you envision the future? How did you envision thirty thousand AD? Uh, in the future, I have 20 buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all getting an orifice placed in it. Oh, wow. That's that's the future. The future is. Everybody's got the so many buttholes. The future is as many magical buttholes. Wow. That's yeah. a, that's a, that, that Orwell book, Imagine the Future, or Picture the Future as yeah. a human butthole. <laughs> and at this point, I'd like to remind listeners at home, I'm one of the most cherished Irish writers <laughs> in history. You have been described as second only to Shakespeare. And that is, and you know what? That I show, bet there's a lot of those, though. Yeah, oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, you know, we are quickly running out of time here, but I think we have time for one more question for Johnny Appleseed. So another apocryphal story about you. You were, you had so much veneration and respect for every living thing, plants, animals, even insects. There's a story about you that says uh, that once you put out a fire, because you, a campfire, because you noticed, putting out fires for the first time in your whole life, because you noticed that mosquitoes were flying into it. And you said, quote, God forbid that I should build a fire for my comfort that should be the means of destroying any of his creatures. Is there any truth to that story? Uh, there's a kernel of truth in every lie, right? Uh, so <laughs> what had happened was uh, I had uh, been hanging out with my friends and one of them got, well, there's a dispute over uh, a, a grain sack. <laughs> Uh, he said it was his sack of grain. I said it was mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got into it a little bit and I said, look, I care more about the life of those mosquitoes than I do for you. And I tenderly cut one of the mosquitoes in my hand and let it sup at my palm. Oh, wow. You fed it with your own blood. Yeah. And then uh, it became a vampire. And then (laughs) uh, I threw my friend into the fire. You threw your friend into the fire? Yeah. Uh, He later became uh, what was known as the crazed man of the woods with (laughs) half a face. You were creating a lot of crazy wood people in your life. I also made Paul Bunyan by uh, tying together like six guys. Oh, like a little little, uh, human human giant centipede, if you will. Yeah, like a physical nightmare. Yeah, Yeah, more like a Voltron. You did as much planting of apple trees as you did creating horrific wood beasts. Your name should have been Johnny Wood Beasts. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a little clunkier, uh, <laughs> less music to but it, but just as accurate. Uh, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my uh, my guests, the uh, butthole obsessed George Bernard Shaw and Johnny Appleseed, and fire obsessed Johnny Appleseed for joining me in the studio today. 
Uh, last question. Do either of you have any uh, comedy shows or podcasts that you're really big fans of that you want to tell people about? Um, uh, George Bernard Shaw, anything you want to tell people about? Man, I'm a large fan of a significantly less blue than me comedian, <laughs> believe it or not, named Brendan Goggins. Less uh, blue than George Bernard yes, Shaw. Yes, he's typically not nearly as blue as I have been for the last this hour. This show tends to bring it out of people, to be fair. <laughs> That's very fair, and I feel it. I feel it hard. <laughs> but you can see him usually be less blue at the Magnet Theater with his sketch team, Noop. Port and his improv team and wait for it the name is thousand foot whale claw oh wow an thousand objectively bad name <laughs> and uh johnny appleseed anything you want to tell people about uh i like the uh podcast called uh year of the week it takes a look at one year for each episode allows you to really catch up what's important in each of those times fun all right i am your host jared berenstein you can check out all my stuff jaredberenstein.com i just put a whole bunch of tour dates up there so you should go check that out if you want to see me live uh, by my book, The Kelly and Conway Technique, I promise you I will eat it the next time uh, I perform it live. Eat if you're listening book. to this on Do the radio, slow. please find the podcast. We have all the old episodes on there. Rate, review, subscribe, leave a comment, and subscribe to my YouTube channel because I'm going to have some videos up soon. Hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you have any questions, comments, or requests. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Jared Berenstein, and he's talking to you, the world. Everybody likes the way he sounds, especially girls and their wet pussies. Okay. Fed. Exact same song. You can't change a single. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can nail it. <laughs> All right. All right. You guys ready to get started? Let's do it. Oh, I was born for this. <laughs> Let's wet some pussies, as Fed loves to say. Every day. <laughs> <laughs>